Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Last week was Ascension. We celebrated, I think Thursday was the day of Ascension. Forty days after the resurrection of Christ, Christ ascended into heaven. And uh, uh, in 10 days, we're going to next Sunday, as a matter of fact, we're going to celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit into the church. And you want to be here. Uh, I've given the last number of years of my life, 25, 30 years, to make sure that you understood the story of the birth of the baptism and the subsequent ministry of Christ on the earth, and then Lent as he moved towards the cross the death, the burial, the resurrection, his ascending to the throne, and his descension in the Spirit into our lives. You see, the world keeps time by Independence Day. The world keeps time by Memorial Day. The world keeps time by Super Bowls. The world keeps time by the culturally relevant events in their generation. But we're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. We're not of this world. And we are supposed to mark time by how God has interacted with the human race. That the Word became flesh and He was born of a virgin called Mary. That He was baptized by His cousin named John. That He performed signs, wonders, and miracles for three and a half years. And then He suffered death on a cross. And that cross is what redeemed us back into a relationship with God the Father who we now call friend. And he showed himself for 40 days. And then he ascended onto a throne. And now that same God who was the voice of the Father and the manifestation of the Son lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you don't just follow God, but you walk with God. That God walks with you. And the good news of the Bible, the good news of how God works with humanity, we must remind ourselves that we mark time by the remembrance of what God has done throughout humanity and how He came and was born. And now He lives in you. What's interesting to me is how very few people know the story. What's interesting to me is how we continue to mark time by Super Bowls and Independence Days birthdays, anniversaries. And we don't remember that we are the product of how God initiated a relationship with each one of us. And then within the scriptures are found these micro stories. These little stories that are found in the scriptures that somehow open our mind and our heart to the fullness of God as it's related to the interaction of one or two people with that God. And so this morning I'm going to tell you a story. And in that story, I think you'll find yourself. It's found in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter. It's on the day of resurrection. So I want to take you back about 40 days ago. And this is the day after the Sabbath. It's the day Christ rose from the dead. Uh, Mark 16, verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and of Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? 
But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had rolled away. Say with me, it had rolled away. For it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Mm. I, I, you didn't hear me. He is risen. He is not here. Mm. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell the disciples. How many of you are looking at a Bible? Okay. Go, tell the disciples, line, and Peter. Go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into the Galilee, and there you will see him as he said it to you. And, say and, and the only disciple he will specifically call out, and Peter. I don't like churchy people. I've never, never liked people that when you meet them in the foyer, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You a lion dog. <laughs> you lion dog. You screamed at your kids on the way to church. You'll probably holler at your wife on the way home. You ain't doing that good. Ain't nobody doing that good. Life is up and down. Amen. Some days are gold and some days are silver and some days just suck. <laughs> I just want you to understand that I don't like phony people. And you find a lot of phony people in church circles. What I love about God is he comes for real people. Real people, honest people, people with problems, man. He comes for people that are going through good times and bad times. And how many of you know there's a little good in all bad people, a little bad in all good people? And we all got these issues in our life. And I, I, I'm so glad that God doesn't judge like other men. I'm glad that God sees through all of that exterior stuff into the interior. I mean, in people, you can do a thousand things right, but you know the one thing they'll talk about? Yeah, that thing. A thousand things, and they'll remember that, you know, that bad day, that bad season that you had. And you, you, Listen, you don't want to evaluate people based on one season of their life, one day in their life. You don't, you don't want to do that. But God comes to work with real people, good, bad, ugly, fat, skinny. He, he, my grandmother used to say, such is life, Dwayne, such is life. Life does what life does. I'd say, Grandma, why did that happen? And she said, life does what life does. Such is life. Now, I got to tell you, my grandmother was a Pentecostal lady. If she thought it was the devil, she'd go after the devil. But you know, sometimes it just ain't the devil. Sometimes the whole world is not against you. It just rains some days and some days it doesn't. So, such is life. So, see, sometimes you just have to recognize that it gives and it takes. Such is life. That's why this story is so important to me and Peter. I mean, I got to tell you, I would not have picked Peter. On my worst day, I wouldn't have chose him. I mean, if I only had three and a half years to get a job done, I would not have picked him 12 losers. Just wouldn't have done it. I, I'd, I'd have sent out a resume. I'd have hired that thing online where they sent out that thing, and you filled out that stuff, and I'd done some interviews, and I would have rejected this one. This guy is problematic from the beginning. I mean, let's get real. He was a fisherman who had failed. 
He wasn't even good at fishing. I mean, and Jesus comes. What I like about it is Jesus comes and moves right into the life of real people. My daddy was a carpenter. I've always really seen myself as a carpenter. Not really a good one, but anyway. I've worked for two people in my life. Two carpenters. My dad and my father. See, you see yourself based on what you do. No matter how much you try to run from it, Everybody sees themselves through the lens of what they do. But could I tell you something? That the lens of what you do is actually insight into what God's called you to be. That the reality is that Jesus comes in and says, what you're doing is a platform for me to take you to the next level and the next dimension of what I've really set out for you to do. You're you're a fisherman, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. See, Jesus comes into our lives to take us into that next dimension. I mean, Jesus goes to the Galilee and he walks up to the edge of the sea and he looks at Peter. They don't know each other. They've never been introduced. There's no reason or rhyme for God to show up in your bedroom and talk to you. But he just shows up in your life and he says, that, I mean, he starts the conversation by, can I borrow your boat? I mean, seriously, he shows up and says, I have a need for what you got. Can I borrow your boat? I'd come to church, but they're always talking about what I can give. Can I borrow? See, that is the beginning of a relationship, because if I can't ask you to give and do something for me, we can't go any further than. Now, listen, I own a boat. And I'd have said no. Wonder what? The Bible would say if the man had said, no, you ain't getting my boat. Now, I got a boat. You ain't using it. I I just want you to know you ain't getting my boat. And while you sit there judging me, let me ask you, can I borrow your car? Don't sit there and do that with me. Can I borrow? Lord, I make my living with this here boat. I want you to give me that which blesses you. I wanted you to give me that which sustains you. Uh, He wasn't just asking for a tip. He was asking for his boat, man. This is how he fed his family. Can I borrow your truck? Can can I? I just want you to know if God asks you for something, he ain't borrowing it. He's likely never to give it back. I mean, when I look at this, when he... There is an insight into this moment about why God would have chose this losing fisherman. Because he said yes. Probably down inside of Peter was this generous spirit. This spirit that had not grown cynical or suspicious. This, This something, this something on the inside of Peter that caused him to say yes. It, it, it's interesting as, as soon as he says yes, then the Lord goes, now follow me. What do you mean? I mean, I don't think Pete got up that morning thinking, I'm going to quit. Maybe I'll be back with a load of fish. He had no idea that that day his entire life would change and that he would give up all plans that he had for himself and become an Uber driver for Jesus. Baby, I've decided to make a career change. 
What are you going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus. Who? Jesus. Who's he? Some dude that borrowed my boat. You mean he doesn't have his own boat? No, he borrowed mine. I mean, you got to understand the significance of what's taking place here. Peter has this encounter with this would-be rabbi, and he changes his entire life. They make a connection. You know, have, have you ever just made a connection with somebody? And they, they said, why are you friends with that dude? Oh, yeah. well, why would you follow that? Why would you, you know, I don't know. It, it just, you know, when you meet people and they got it, yeah. they got it. I mean, I can remember my, my friends going, you're going to do what? I said, I'm going to marry that girl. Well, why are you going to marry that girl? You've only gone out on two dates with her. I said, oh, she's got it. It. Come on. The best people in your life are the people that very quickly you knew they, they had that thing. You know, just that thing. You don't know what that thing is, but that, that it thing, it's been 44 years. That thing, it's okay. I got that. Peter just had it. I don't know what it is, but that thing. And he has this encounter. He makes this connection. Makes this connection. Boy, Mike, I, thanks for showing up to be my prop. Uh, just that connection. Every favor in my life has come from a connection that I've made from a friend. Because of this connection, Peter would walk on the water that he once fished in. Because of this connection, Peter would see the woman crawl through the crowd and be healed. He, he, he would go to the top of the mountain and see the glory of God. He, he, he would stand there as Lazarus hopped out of a tomb. See, the connections you make are important. He, he would follow the Messiah, the seed of Abraham, the son of God, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai. He would be on the inner circle with the son of the living God because he let him borrow a boat. Nuts, right? Those connections that we make in life that can open doors for us to have experiences. Anybody in here connected to Jesus? Listen, can I tell you, your connection to Jesus will open stuff for you that you will never otherwise experience. Peter, can I borrow your boat? He didn't choose Peter because he was intellectual. He didn't choose Peter because he was well thought. This man would open his mouth and put his foot in it every other day. He, he, Jesus took this man places. Can we build a booth here? Can, have you ever had one of those experiences and you just wanted to stay there? This is the pinnacle of my life. I've seen Jesus with Moses and Elijah and the glory and oh my God, that revival. Whew. Jesus showed him that glory and he wanted to do something. I think that's why maybe he chose Peter. Because Peter was rampant. Something. You know, he's generous. You can borrow my boat. And then when he, let's do, I love it when people want to do something in response to their experience. When people have an encounter with God and they just want to, Pastor, let's do 
He goes, no, Pete, I don't need you to do, but I, but I just wonder maybe this rambunctious fisherman, maybe that's why he chose Peter. It's just, just, this, is, this Peter, I, I, I mean, they come to get Jesus, to put him in chains, and this fisherman pulls out a sword. I don't know what a fisherman's doing with a sword. That the imagery of a fisherman and a sword, and he pulls out this sword. I'm looking for some peats that are willing to stand up and fight for me when they come. I'll take a couple of peats any time. Pete, come on, don't you need somebody that'll stand up for you when you're being attacked? Somebody that'll jump up. I mean, he didn't poke the soldier in the foot. He aimed for his head and revealed he was a fisherman, but he took a shot. I mean, let's understand something. Pete, who let him borrow the boat, Pete, who said, let's do something, didn't stand still. It was clear. I'll give you my boat and I'll follow you. And if they come for you, I'll come for them. Are you in this experience of how Peter began to follow the Lord? Yeah, I've often wondered, where were the other 11? Are you standing there? The thumb in their ear? What, what about those other 11? I mean, we, we always want to say, Pete cut off his ear. He didn't get it. Well, where were the other 11? This dude. If I, if I read the whole Bible, then I hear Paul going, no one stood with me. Can I tell you something? Those that follow closely to the Lord, one of the experiences that you'll have is that you'll be out on the edge of what God is doing and no one will want to stand with you. You'll be out on the edge of what God is doing and ain't nobody ever going to go out there. You have to stand out there in the front of that line and ain't saying nothing. You ever had friends like that? You're on your own, Pete. Just get out there. But Peter spoke up. Peter's this dude that stood up and spoke up. Listen, it's, it's really clear whose side he was on. It's really clear that Peter was on the side of Jesus. That it may have started with a boat, but it didn't. Peter understood. Peter understood when the rest of them wouldn't. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you Baptist. Some say that you Methodist. Some say you're crazy. Some say. This is interesting to me because they had been following the Messiah for three and a half years. They've been going to church for 30 years but they're more in tune with what some say than what he says. They're more in tune in what they can Google. More in tune in what the nightly news says. Are them rats or them rats? More in tune. If there's anything we've learned in the last year is most people more in tune with what some say than what he says. Let that sit there and stew. Some say they, they real quick to share the gossip. They're a little short on revelation. Real quick to tell you what some say. 
Not, not, real, not real quick. Out of the abundance of the heart. You keep feeding yourself on what some say, and you'll just repeat. It just, just like. And finally, Jesus said, no, 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 no. What, what, what do you say? And again, these 11 shut up. These 11 got no more to say for themselves. 11 of them, pay attention, 11 of them stay silent. I don't like it when the church stays silent. I don't like it when Christians don't know enough to speak up for the injustices that... I mean, how could you follow this man, watch him raise the dead, heal the sick, multiply the loaves, and not have some kind of inkling? But Peter, this Peter, I had this thought in first service, maybe they were intimidated by what some say. Maybe they were more intimidated by what others would think about them if they raised their hands. Oh, I'm talking, I'm sorry. Went to that. Had people tell me all the time, well, you know, you can't even, you you can't have the gifts of the Spirit in the church today because people won't come. I understand that. I get it. Because it's embarrassing to say I'm Spirit-filled. It's embarrassing to admit to you that I pray in tongues. It's embarrassing to tell you that I believe God heals today. It's embarrassing to tell you that I can't depend on my knowledge of the scripture. I have to depend on the presence of his spirit. We're living in a world which is far easier just to go to a 50 minute service and not let God do anything. It just, let's just stay silent. See, you have to take the scriptures and put it into our shoe leather. Put it into the relevancy of our own existence today. They remained silent. I, I don't want to be wrong about this, but Peter. I love Peter. Peter opened his mouth. He didn't stutter. He just says, thou art the Christ. The son, it's shocking. It shocks the Lord. And he got to do a lot to shock Jesus. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says something even more shocking. Flesh and blood didn't tell that to you. But my Father, who is in heaven. This is, this is stunning. Peter can't stay silent. He just has to stand up and say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. You are the Son of the living God. And I'm not ashamed to declare it. I don't even understand what I'm saying. But I... Anybody in this room, I'm not ashamed. The other 11 can do whatever they want to do, but I'm going to stand up and go, no, 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 no. In 2021, Jesus saved my life. I was a failed fisherman, and I just lent him my boat. I don't know why I'm here. In other words, Peter got a glimpse. What's amazing about this is Jesus had not gone to the cross. This is prior to the cross. That's why it stuns the Lord and says, oh, you've tapped into revelation. You've tapped into what I'm here for. It, it just flesh and blood. And then Jesus says the most shocking thing. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, upon this I'll build my church. I mean, number one, what's a church? 
Not much has changed in 2,000 years. There's still people going, what's a church? I don't need a church. I'll build my church. And then he says, the gates of hell. Oh, yeah, but you missed a word. Never. (laughs) Hell can prevail for a day, a season, a moment. But never really win upon your ability to hear from God. If there's a people that can hear from God, upon your ability to shut out Google, to shut out what some say, and to zero in that we serve a God that talks and communes and converses and is engaged upon your ability to hear God. I'll build a thing that I didn't even explain and hell will not be able to prevail against a people that will open their ears to hear what the other 11 refuse to see. That's the church. People that can perceive the unperceivable. People that can hear the inaudible. People that will dare to stand on the front line and say, God has guided me to come to Wichita and pray for a friend. People that have leadings. Upon this, this rock, I'll build something that hell will never overcome. I listened to a man yesterday talk to me about the failure of the church, and I wanted to say, well, she may be failing, buddy, but can I tell you something? She will win. She'll be glorious. She'll be prosperous. She'll be married to the bride. You better shut up. You're talking about his woman. You don't want to talk about a man's woman. He may talk about her, but you don't want to talk about her. (laughs) Oh, well. Faith comes by. Hmm. I'll build my church on a people that have the ability to hear and have faith in what they've heard so that they'll stand in front of others. See, God is developing the faith inside of this fisherman that loaned a boat. God's developing your faith. He'll take you to transfigurational moments. He'll give you revelation and understanding. He'll let you encounter the miraculous. And in the midst of these mountaintop experiences, he'll blow your mind. Satan has asked for you. That is not a word you want. (laughs) Satan has asked that he might sift you. You do not want that prophetic word. In your right mind, you don't want Jesus to tell you the devil's coming. Are you kidding me? I just, can I have my boat back? I said, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for, who are you? I'm following you because you're supposed to keep him away from me. Shandai, Shandai, something, but no. Life does what? Mm. I mean, this happens in the context of the Passover. This happens on the night before they're supposed to take the white, I mean, Jerusalem. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Forgive me. 
This happens the night they're having that celebratory meal so that he can be inaugurated as the king over. And it happens in that meal. And in the middle of that meal, Jesus goes, <clears throat> one of you going to betray me. I mean, you've got to hear that. One of you is a devil. Right? I mean, that, let me put it in context. If Jesus were walking here and standing right here and trying to look at you, okay, one of you in this room is the devil. Can I tell you what would happen? Every one of you would go, is he talking about me? Is it me? Because see, every one of us in this room know we've done stuff. You know you did it. He knew you did it. And you know he knows. I mean, all 12 of them are going, is it, is it me? And then he says, the one who... And you can feel Peter go, Whew. <sighs> and he turns to him and says, yeah, but Satan has, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I missed the first, but now Satan has desired to sift you. I suppose that Job's the only other dude that could associate <laughs> with this message. I've let the accuser come after you. Thanks a lot. Do you realize I stood up and cut off his ear for you? <laughs> Never mind. Satan has desired Simon, Simon, shifty, shifty. Hey, Satan, he's going to rip into your life. You ever felt like the enemy has just ripped into your world? You ever felt like that it just like, it just, mm, and you trying to figure out what to cast out? Yeah. You're trying to figure out who did this to me? Don't tell me you don't do that. I watch you on Facebook. You mad. You mad as hell and you ain't going to take it anymore. And you're, mm. And I got to tell you, Jesus is going, I told you. I don't know why you're surprised. When Satan comes to rip into, I've prayed for you. Well, there's that. <laughs> you ever had somebody say, I pray for you? Yeah. Well, there is that, I guess. <laughs> I'm still being tossed up in the wind, beat on, blowed, sift. Go read what sifting means. Means to beat the wheat, throw it in the wind, let that blow. It's not good. <laughs> I have prayed for you, thank you, that your faith would not fail. Come, you got to hear this. Come on, you got to you got to get in my shoes. Faith, nothing. What about me? You're worried about my faith. I'm worried about my behind. You got to understand. I prayed for your faith. Don't pray for my faith. Pray for me. Faith. And when you return, not if, but when. I don't think he heard that part. I think he missed that. Sometimes we hear Satan's coming for you and then we go brain dead. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. Come on, look at somebody and say, you're going to make it. 
I don't know what I'd title this message. I might title it. You're going to make it. You know, Peter argued with the Lord, said, I, I, I'll never deny you. How many of you ever promised to do something that you did? You ever promised not to do it and you did it anyway? Mm-hmm. Fast forward. Fast forward. The man that passed through crowds got caught. The man that that stood on mountaintops, raised Lazarus from the dead, was handcuffed. The man that would work miracles was beaten beyond recognition. Peter watched him get beaten. Peter watched the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah, the soon and coming King, the Lily of the Valley, the seed of Abraham. He watched him scream as they put thorns on his head. You talk about pressure. You, you, you talk about pressure. I mean, yesterday we were on our way to victory. Today we're being beaten, stripped, naked for the world to see. Pressure. You ever gone through pressure? Where are the miracles? Where are the healings? Where is the money? Before we judge Peter too harshly, what would you do if the miracles ran out? What would you do if the one who you serve is now being crucified? You, you, didn't you know him? No I, no, I didn't know him. I mean, isn't he your Messiah? Is that who you've been following? Well, 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 what happened was he wanted to borrow my boat, and the rest of it's kind of a blur. Now, I'd, I didn't know him. I mean, at work, don't you go to that church? You mean you're going to be baptized? Well, well, it's not a big deal. See, it's easy when the miracles are happening. It's harder when the miracle worker, he denied him. Not once, but three times. We don't use that word denied. Let me put it this way. He did not acknowledge Have you ever been in that situation where it just wasn't prudent to acknowledge that you knew them? Let me tell you about acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is the beginning, the foundation, the definition of relationship. If I walk in a room and that girl doesn't acknowledge that I'm her husband, that hurts. If that, if that boy doesn't acknowledge I'm his daddy, if I don't acknowledge that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my friend. So you have to learn to acknowledge people even in the midst 
And he did not acknowledge that. Listen, if she don't acknowledge me when I walk in the room, I'm taking them shoes back. <laughs> Could lighten this up a bit. <laughs> acknowledgement. Not a lot of acknowledgement going on in the world today. Not a lot of, I'll be with you through the thick and the thin. Sometimes I wonder if he allows the devil to rip into our lives so that we begin to understand who acknowledges. Never mind, that's another message. And he refused to acknowledge the one that he knew was the Christ. He knew who he was. He had stood up for him in previous engagements. But now up under this pressure, he has trouble acknowledging a bleeding Messiah. I, I get it because the Romans controlled the world with the cross. They controlled the world with the threat of I'll kill you. They controlled the world. They were terrorists. And I guarantee you, Pete was in his back of his mind going, they're going to kill me too? See, we are all afraid of death. As much as we like to say, no, I'm prepared. Yeah, I've stood there. It, it, it's scary to think about the end of this and the beginning of that. I'll never have you. Hmm. I'd never do what they did. Shut up. Just shut up. Well, I'd never sleep. Shut up. Well, I wouldn't stoop. So I shut We've all had those moments when we stood there. I've often thought about this moment. You know, it, it's easy to love people when other people love people. But when nobody else loves him, I don't. Oh no, maybe, maybe I don't want this connection. Uh, it, this whole story would have been different if Jesus had just gone along with the ploy. I mean, Peter's embarrassment would have at least been levied if Jesus had just stayed dead. If Jesus had just stayed dead, there would have been a point down there when people would have gone, well, at least you backed out. But see, Jesus didn't stay dead. The one you denied breaks death, destroys death. The one you refuse to acknowledge reveals to the world that he is the Christ. You knew it before the world knew it, but when push came to shove, you backed up, but now the whole world knows. He's alive. And the lack of acknowledgement leads to being alone. You ever felt alone? You knew you did it, now you've done it. And the reality, the consequences of what you did and didn't do now weigh down on you. And all of those experiences and all of those encounters, and now I'm excommunicated, I'm alone. You ever felt excommunicated? You know, you bump into them in the store and they go, how are you? So good to see you. And you know they don't care a flip. 
you're alone. You ever felt alone? Just lost. I I gave him my boat. I walked on the water. He called me to the mountain. I defended him when the rest of them didn't. And now I'm alone. (laughs) He got up. I lost my mind the other day. Uh, You ever been in Wichita? Yeah. I lost my mind. I knew where I was going. I knew how to get there. I got GPS in that Jeep. And I got an Apple phone that checks my GPS. And I've been there before. I know where I'm going and I know how to get there. And them idiots tear up the road. They tear up the road. And I know where I'm going. My GPS knows where it's going. And then all of a sudden, my GPS goes rerouting. And I look at my phone, and it's doing this. And I can't get off there like I used to get off there. I'm lost. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting in my car, running down the road, headed that direction. And I can't get there from here. You ever been in a situation you just can't get there from here? You know where you're going. You know where you're supposed to be. But now that you're getting this rerouting. And I didn't feel very bishopy at that moment. I mean, I took advantage of being alone in a car. I cussed. Just cussed. Just real people do real things in real moments under real pressure. They lose their mind. I know some of you sitting there going, I'd never do that. There'll be a special service for you on Tuesday where we cast out lying. I don't don't like churchy people. I mean, you know what was crazy about it? I'm standing there taking advantage of being alone in my Jeep, driving down the road, and that dude didn't know I was lost. And that gal didn't know I was lost. I looked like I knew where I was going. I had plenty of gas in the car. I'd go anywhere I want to go. Do you know it's possible to be living your life, going to church, and be lost as a duck in the fog? In fact, you might be under pressure at this moment, feeling all alone, just lost. You don't look lost. You don't look alone. You got a smile on your face. I should have been there by now. I mean, I should have been there by 35. I should have been there by 45. I, I'm 63. I'm still hoping. <laughs> I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I, I was raised in a good home. I'm not supposed to be having this. My reality, as Heather says, is not matching my expectation. I didn't see it coming. I'm an ex-disciple. What's after that? Never mind, I I better not go there. That's why this story is so important. Go tell my disciples 
and Peter. Go tell my disciples, but specifically, the only one whose name he mentions is the one that denied him. I mean, he had said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. But watch, Jesus will change his word for you. You deny me, he did three times. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Oh, I'm going back to where it started, Peter. Back to the place where you let me borrow. Have you ever been in a situation where God takes you back to the beginning of your relationship with him and says, let's talk. Go tell the disciples and Bob, Bill, Quentin. Everybody else has given up on you, Peter. Nobody else will even talk to you. But Jesus said, "Uh, hmm, I have not changed my mind. You didn't get it. Peter, I have not changed my mind. I still have a plan. See, this is grace. This isn't what they're teaching you about if this, then that. This isn't about the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is grace at its rawest moment. You did the unthinkable, but I have not changed my mind about you. This will drive legalistic people up a wall. What do you mean? God never changes See, no one else may understand the mess that you're in, but God does. See, I called you the first time. I called you to the water. I called you to the mountain. I called you to stand there while I raised Lazarus from the dead. And now I'm calling you out of your denial and your lostness and your loneliness. I'm calling you, Peter, a second time. He'll call you when you're locked up. He'll call you when you're drunk. He'll call you when you're broke. He'll call you when you're sick. He'll call you when you're... Can I get real? He'll call you when you have that baby out of wedlock. He'll call you when you aborted that baby. He'll call you on your first divorce and on your second. He'll call you out of... He'll reach into what you think is a hopeless, loneliest, and he'll call your name again. He'll call you when you're pretending like you know where you're going, but you know you don't know where you're going. He'll call you when you think you can never get that, but he'll call you again. See, this God is not only the God that says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. This is the God that forgives them who knew what they were doing and did it anyway. This is the God whose grace is so sufficient that his mercy endureth forever. And this was a setup. I have prayed for you. That even when you fail, your faith, that substance that has been built in you as you heard my word. That invisible stuff that begins to add itself to your soul and to your life and it's going on subconsciously as you walk on waters. 
as you go to mountains. I'm going to sift you, Peter. And everything that's Peter is going to be blown away. But those areas that have become solid by having heard the word, (laughs) I'm calling that. When you get through this, there won't be no Simon left. Simon will be dead. But Peter. No wonder this man would write, the genuineness of your face, though tested by fire, is more precious than gold. (laughs) This is the gospel. This story, these seven verses encapsulate the reality of how God reveals himself to humanity through this one man and his story. Listen to me, I'll never, 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 ever forsake you. You may me, but I won't you. You have to catch this. This is the gospel that will drive religious people nuts. But believe it anyway. I'm going back to the lake. I'm going back to where you gave me your boat. Because you see, Peter, I didn't need your boat. Never needed your boat. I never needed you to pick up that sword. I didn't need you to build me a booth. I didn't really need you. This hasn't been about what you did. This has all been about what I've done. That leaves us all in the same place. Weak, fragile, real authentic in need of a grace that's glorious I don't need your boat I just need you to honestly recognize that without me you're nothing wow My GPS was spinning. I'm recomputing. And then it pops up and says, you're only five minutes away. <laughs> yes! Have you ever had that? Take this turn, do this turn, and it says, you're just five minutes away. And my old cussing self on the inside shouted, I'm going to make it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to make it. Not because I am so much, but because his grace, I hear him calling me again. And I'm going to make a turn and another turn. And I'm going to make it. Because I can hear him calling my name out of this loneliness, this hole that I dug. Go look at somebody else because they didn't get it. I'm gonna make it. You sit there, honey. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna get where I need to go. I just want you to know I've been driving like I thought I knew, but I didn't know. I was lost, but I heard my name. 
He called Lazarus out of death and he called Peter out of denial and they made it. Michael, you could take this story and twist it to the end of it. You know who taught me to preach like this? Him. He could tell a story and you'd think he was lost. He'd talk about, and then he'd reach in and go, you're gonna make it. You know what I just did to you? told you a story and that story has reached behind your religious protections and it's touched you in the heart and you know I'm right you did it he knows you did it but he's still calling your name you're in this room and you know it's time to throw your hands in the air and join that old girl. Jesus, take this wheel. You know it. This is that moment. I don't need you to get up and walk down here because I don't need the star. I don't need you to raise your hand because it ain't nobody's business but yours. Nobody knew what went on in that Jeep, but I did. But I'm just begging you this morning, hear him calling your name and receive his grace. Receive his mercy. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I almost missed the best part. make it he did this on purpose he let life be life he let you go through real things because when you get converted when you get returned when you get back strengthen the brother Peter's story this morning will strengthen you if you'll hear this story. You'll have strength to go back. God. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.